Well, good morning, Grace Church. Let's all stand together, if you will. Turn to your neighbor, give them a big smile, say, it's nice to see you today. It is nice to see you today. I'm glad to see everyone. Welcome to campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to be part of our service today. Before we begin worshiping the Lord, let me just remind you of two things this week. There'll be Tuesday prayer at 10 o'clock uh, right here in the sanctuary this Tuesday. And then, gentlemen, we'll have men's prayer in the Alexander Center at 9 o'clock this Saturday. So please make a note of that. Uh, we want you all to be a part of those events as they apply to you and as your schedule allows. Are you ready to worship the Lord? The Bible says, for with God all things are possible. Another way we could say that is that nothing is impossible for God. And we're going to sing about that here uh, right now, and we're going to worship the Lord. But I want you to come with faith knowing that you're in an atmosphere, that whatever you're carrying, whatever you're going through, God is able, and nothing is impossible. Clap your hands to Jesus today, and let's worship the Lord with the praise team. Strongholds are broken. 
inhabit the praises of your people. And we've come to engage with you today, Lord.
our voice. Let's lift our hands, our face toward heaven today. Everybody here today, would you take a moment and let's praise the Lord together, everybody. what's going on right here. I'm overwhelmed by our youth group and their sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. But I do feel today that we need to go on with the service. Thank the Lord. So if you sweet young folks would, if you would return to your seat, we'll give you an opportunity to continue in your worship in a moment. I will say about our young people, they seem to be a little more resilient than us older seasoned folks, us older seasoned people being touched by the Holy Ghost one time and say, we're good, let's head out to lunch. But our young folks seem to want the Holy Ghost over and over and over. Uh, they just can't get enough. Several approached me today before church and said, I just can't wait. Just can't wait for church to start today. Thank you, praise team, for taking us to the throne of God again. It seems in the past few Sundays that they've done such an, an excellent job, an amazing job at creating a atmosphere of worship. On some Sundays, I can't wait to get to the pulpit and start preaching. Others, much like last Sunday and even today, I just feel that awe of the Holy Ghost here. and It's almost like anything you say is just we're kind of interrupted and distract God or disturb God from what it is that he's trying to do. You can be seated. I'll, I'll not keep you folks standing. I am encouraged. I'm very encouraged today that I'm, there's folks actually that are here today. There's a number of people here today that a number of months ago I was very worried, very burdened, wanting to see you take some steps, some more steps towards Jesus. I'm very encouraged today that out of a, a number of folks here today, I see that happening. I see that happening, and I'm very encouraged. So it's for that reason, it's for that reason that I want to bring to you today the Word of God in hopes that perhaps you'll continue to find God, the Word of God, even more and more attractive, and finally say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that full 100% commitment. I do want to say today, as much as I admire people who attend church, church attendance in itself is not going to save you. There has to be a certain commitment level. There has to be relationship. And I don't want to be just a church attender. I, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be out in the middle of it. And I want to be in the middle of worship. I want to be in the middle of prayer. I want to be in the middle of the things of God. 
Thank you, Casey. And I'll begin with the Word of God today. It'll take me just a moment to get to my message. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the Bible said, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. And I have suspicions pertaining to their silence. Uh, I'll say very kindly here today that if I were able to be in, in the context of the scripture and then be able to create this moment between people serving God or serving Baal, and I ask you to pick one or the other, what would you say? Then Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, verse 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. I don't know about you today, but I believe I'm one of those few that's found it. Everybody said Amen. So today, oftentimes, the, the Bible gives us illustrations in twos, if you will, concerning choices that mankind will have to make sooner or later as it pertains to his or her relationship with God. The praise team sang a few moments ago that every knee will eventually bow before God. You can do it now, you can do it later, but you're going to do it at some point, the Bible says. So you'll notice when you study the, the context of Scripture, it seems like when it comes to a choice about your future, your lifestyle, your being saved or not, there's only two choices. There's not three, there's not five, there's only two. So my text today is found in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate Day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. Here comes that choice thing again. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore... The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Two choices. You can choose God's way or not choose God's way, and the end thereof is not good. My title today is a little bit odd, and you'll understand it in a moment. 
But I want to talk to you today about two trails. Just two trails. Hampton Sides wrote a book about Kit Carson called Blood and Thunder, the epic story of Kit Carson and the conquest of the American West. The truth of the matter is that Kit Carson was a man who was fleeing from the far east, the eastern seaboard and so on to get away from the cities and the early spread of industrialization. He was a very short in stature, somewhere around five foot four inches tall. But he would be pressed into filling the role of a scout for wagon trains and for the U.S. Cavalry. To do this effectively, he had to learn the different trails of the West and understand the terrain. And because of this, history documents multiple times where he was able to save an expedition, a wagon train, and even the U.S. Cavalry uh, because of his knowledge of the trails. Some of the trails were developed and others were not, but he was savvy enough to know the difference and savvy enough to know what to do. And one of the chapters in the, in the book is entitled The Pathfinder. And it describes how that because of Kit Carson's knowledge of some of the mountain passes in, in the California mountains, that he saved Colonel John C. Fremont's expedition. In fact, some historians believe that Fremont and his men would have died just as the Donner Party died in a horrible winter in the Sierra Nevada mountains just a few years later. Hampton Sides writes about this Kit Carson. He said as a tracker, he was unequal. He knew from experience how to read the watersheds, where to find grazing grass for cattle, what to do when encountering a grizzly bear. He could locate water in a desert gorge and strain it into potability. In a crisis, he knew tricks from staving off thirst, such as opening the fruit of a cactus or clipping a mule's ear and drinking its blood. Hampton Sides goes on to write how that Colonel John C. Fremont was called the pathfinder during this time of his life, but he would have never survived without the skills of Kit Carson. In so many ways, in so many ways, pastors and preachers do the same for the church. They are referred to in the Bible as shepherds. They are oftentimes successful in guiding, in counseling, and advising when it comes to decisions and choices that people need to make. The reason for this success is based on knowledge, understanding of the Word of God, experience, and even hearing from God. There's people here today that pastor has spoken into your life on numerous occasions. Some have responded successfully, others have dismissed it. It is good for you that you listen because your shepherd, your pastor, is following the great shepherd. It is for your good that you listen. So with that being said, we are all on one or two paths in our spiritual walk today. Everybody here 
is on one of two paths in our spiritual walk. We are either on the path of godliness or ungodliness. And there's a lot of people here today that base that on your opinion, on your thoughts, and not necessarily God's thoughts or God's word. In Psalm 1, which is one of the wisdom psalms that shows us the dividing points between the two of them, wisdom psalms are instructive psalms that provide practical guidelines for godly living. And they give to us pointed direction for righteous living and the pursuit of God's will and purpose for our lives. They can often be compared with the wisdom literature of the Proverbs because of the teaching form by which it takes. But in the New International Version, that translation of Bible uses a word throughout the Psalms that is interchanged with the word path in the King James Version, and it is called trail or trails. Instead of calling the way that we take with God a path, the NIV calls it a trail. The trail simply means it is a way where someone has been before. Someone has discovered that this is a trail and can lead somewhere if you stay on the trail. I remember several years ago, I was hunting with a man that, and his daddy, that the man formerly attended Grace Church and was hunting with his dad, and, and he and I were, and I had never been to this man's house. They lived in Mississippi. I'd never been to the man's house. We got there when it was dark, so I couldn't see really where I was at, and we got up next the next morning to go deer hunting, and uh, it was still dark. I still didn't know where I was at. We loaded up the truck, had a kid point a loaded shotgun in my face, and I moved that out of the way, and we got on in the truck and <clears throat> headed out to hunt. Got in the woods on a three-wheeler. I was riding on one fender. The other man was riding on the other fender, and his dad was driving. We seemed like we rode for two hours into those woods that was pitch black under a canopy of trees. You couldn't even see stars or a moon anywhere. And all of a sudden, the three-wheeler stopped, turned the engine off, and the man driving the the three-wheeler said, Okay, Brother Murphy, this is where you get off. And I literally said, Who, me? Like there was more than one Brother Murphy out there. He said, yeah, what I need you to do is walk about 60 yards down this trail. And when you go about 60 yards, I couldn't see. I'd never been in these woods. I don't know where I was at. He said, you walk about 60 yards down this trail and you look to the left and you're going to see another trail. And you turn there and you walk about another 40 yards and you're going to come out on this big clearing, this food plot. And there's a box stand, and that's where you're going to hunt. I'm like, that trail is wide enough for this three-wheeler to fit. Why can't the three of us just ride down there, at least to where I turn left? Could we just do that? I didn't say anything. I followed instruction. 
And it was unfortunate for me that day because the only flashlight that I brought was about that long and had two AA batteries in it and wouldn't shine from here to the front row of this sanctuary. So this is Brother Murphy. When they drove away, I have never felt so lonely in my life standing there with the gentle beam of my flashlight saying, Bye. Happy trails if we never meet again. I'm standing here with my flashlight, and I remember him saying, you just look to the left. And you know, So for 60 yards, I walked with that flashlight shining this way. I never shined it. To, I didn't care what was over there. Bears and hogs and cougars and mountain lions and everything. Could, I didn't care. I had to follow that trail. And to my credit, and my little two double-A battery flashlight, I got to that opening, that trail, and I thought, well, he's right so far. He's doing good. So I decided I'd follow that one. But he didn't say the right or left that time. He said, just look straight ahead. And I just kept my little light, and I'm telling you, that little light, that thing was pitiful. It, it was just one of them, a free thing you got when you ordered Reader's Digest or something. And I shined that little light, and I squinted as hard as I could, and I finally found a clearing, and there was a box stand. And I got up in it, and I ended up shooting a deer that morning. I'm glad I followed his instruction. But I found out about two weeks later, that same man that dropped me off parked his forward, his three-wheeler, and he was walking that trail and got attacked by a hog, and it could have hurt him really, really bad. He got away in time. I'm glad. I'm so thankful. I listened to a man that had already walked that trail. He wasn't shooting in the dark, no pun intended. I will tell you that I kind of broke a law of the woods when he drove away on the three-wheeler. I just went on ahead and loaded my gun. If something would have come out, I couldn't have seen anything, but I was going to shoot something. I just I wasn't taking a chance. I, I'm just not that brave. I see Mike Frazier here today. He'd have said, oh, man, I'd been nothing. Mike Frazier would walk that trail backwards. He'd walk backwards. He'd walk around the woods for an hour and all that. I, I'm not that kind of person. I can't do that. But I'm glad I listened to the man that gave me that instruction. I want to be that man to some people here today. I want to give you some instruction. And if you'll follow it, you'll be okay. The Bible said in Psalm 1-1 to not stand in the trail of sinners. Don't hang out with those people and let them be your peer group from whom you take advice and instruction on life and what have you. The Bible said not to do that. In Psalm 16-11 the Bible said that God will make known to me the trail of life. Why God? Because God's been here and He's done that. Yes, He has. He promised to lead me on a level trail. He sets Himself on a trail that is good. He lets me walk in the trail of His commandment. The Bible said that His Word is a light unto my trail. In other places in Job, the Bible said that my foot has held fast to his trail. 
I want to say here in passing, especially to our young folks who inspire me so deeply. You inspire me so deeply. But you're at a young, very vulnerable age. I want to tell you today that sooner or later the devil is going to come calling. The world is going to come calling. Sin is going to come calling. It is imperative. It is imperative that you keep your feet planted right where you are and you stand tall on the Word of God and look not to the right nor to the left. Jesus said, The way that leads to eternal life, the gate is small and the trail is narrow and few there be that find it. In other words, what we must understand is that there are two trails of life and we will walk down one of them. Stephen Lawson said, blessed are the righteous who do not participate in the deceptions and defilements of this evil world and who internalize the word of God. Again, Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I want to say again to our youth group, to every mom and dad here this morning, you're not wise, you're not wise to listen to the counsel of people who do not love God who do not love the things of God, who don't attend church anywhere, that thinks all of this is just a big bust and it's a waste of time. The Bible said, don't do that, don't do that. It went on to say, do not stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but your delight should be in the law of the Lord, and in his law do meditate day and night. That's what the Bible said to do. We look at old timers. We look at people that's been around for a long time. We affectionately call them old timers. I had a young person call me that not too long ago, and I didn't know how to take that because I just don't feel like I'm an old timer because I just don't feel like I'm old. I just have a hard time persuading myself that I just signed up for Medicare. I have a hard time persuading myself that that just happened. I had people tell me, man, that is wonderful. You're going to get all this stuff for free. I don't want things for free. I can work. I can pay my own way. I can pay my own insurance. Anyway, that's another thing for another time. Anyway, think about old timers, people that stalwart in their relationship with God. And when they pass from this life, we rejoice at their passing because we know They stood tall. They stood their ground. They stood in the face of adversity a thousand times. And they they finally made their reward. And it's rightfully so that they make it. The Bible said in Psalm 1-3, These kind of people shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in a season. Their leaves don't wither. And whatsoever they do shall prosper. Who would not want to walk that path? When the Bible promises that whatever you do, when you're that sold out, committed child of God, that everything you do will prosper, why wouldn't people want to walk that path? 
Why do people want to make bad choices in life? And it happens across our world. It happens in our country. And it even happens in our church where people divorce and remarry and divorce and remarry because they made a choice they shouldn't have made. And and they make bad choices with their kids and they make bad choices with their parents. And the list goes on and on and on. It's because they choose not to walk the path of the godly. This is what I've learned in my soon-to-be 65 years of being born and raised in the church. The path of the godly, the first thing it yields is satisfaction in the Lord. It means going to bed at night with a clear conscience. It means not fearing when you go to sleep that you're not going to wake up. It means that you can have peace in your heart no matter what's going on in our world. I know we've been through a bunch of stuff in the past two years, but I'm still here. And I'm still preaching the word of God. And my faith is still sound. And my heart is still set on that heavenly city. And I'm satisfied in my relationship with God. Hallelujah. The idea of satisfaction comes from the use of the word blessed. Some biblical scholars believe that David was the author of Psalm 1 and 2. They believe that many of the psalms that he wrote would begin and end the psalm with the word blessed. And because of that, when you read Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 verse 12, you see the word blessed. It's used to begin and then end the passage. Several scholars believe that Psalm 1 and 2 were uniquely used in the routines of worship that the Israelites gave themselves to. Listen to pastor. For too often... There is a scoffing at the traditions and routines of the church. And while there's some merits to the idea, it causes a deadening effect in some cases. I believe that there are some practices that we routinely give ourselves to that strengthen our walk with God. And it would be fatal for us to abandon and neglect some of these routines and traditions. It very well could be said that when we sing the same songs and read the same scriptural passages, that the repetition of it all embeds it in our soul so that we can get it when we become of age. I will confess one of the beautiful things of memories I have of the church I grew up in is we sang often on Sunday nights, especially about heaven. It seemed like every song sung had something to do with heaven. You'll hear Pastor reference heaven quite a bit. I just referenced it a moment ago. I'll say that eternal city, that golden city, I'll call it heaven. That life beyond this life, all of that. But that was embedded in my mind when we sang when the redeemed are gathering in time after time after time. And when we sang heaven's jubilee over and over and over. And we sang just over in the glory land over and over and over. There came a time when those songs were scoffed at. And we need to put it up and we need to quit singing them. And now we have a generation right here in front of me that knows very little about heaven. The Bible said the man that chooses that right path, listen to pastor, please listen. He is favored and blessed by God. Who would not want that? The fact remains that God can bless whom he chooses. But it appears that this favor and fulfillment in this godly man's life 
is present because of that man's activity and because of that man's lifestyle. He will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He will not stand in the way of sinners. He will not sit in the the seat of the scornful. Let me ask you a couple of questions here today. There are some great blessings that come through the virtue of avoidance. There's just things that our world has to offer that I'm not going to do. I avoid that. There's people here today that don't, that doesn't. Let me ask you some questions here today. If Aaron back in the Old Testament would have avoided the counsel of the mixed multitude, there would have never been a golden calf built. But he allowed himself to sit in the counsel of the ungodly. If Moses would have avoided his impulse of anger and struck the rock, he might have gotten into the promised land. If Samson would have avoided his lustful desires over Delilah, the outcome of his life would have been different. If Saul would have refused to give in to his stubborn will and disobedience, no doubt his life would have ended better. If David would have avoided and stopped entertaining the thoughts of Bathsheba, he would have never entered his great sin. If Judas Iscariot would have avoided love and money instead of Jesus, his life would have been far different. There must be a great commitment and determination in our heart to maintain our blessing by simply doing what is right. Doing whatever is right in the direction given to us by the word of God. The byproduct of that blessed man in Psalm 1. He chose the right path and his soul was satisfied without adding to it sin and worldliness. The second thing is he was separated from the world. The man who will be blessed does not just find himself in the mode of avoidance, but also in a mode of action, specifically in his delight and meditation on the word of God. The word law basically means that this man is to give himself to the instruction of the word of God. I hear so many people call the Bible a rule book. It upsets me because it has commandments. But why don't you try looking at the Bible a little bit different and calling it a blessing book? Why don't you call it a profitable Why don't you call it a book of enrichment? Why don't you call it a book of enlightenment? Why don't you call it a book of great and deep understanding and wisdom and knowledge? We call it a rule book because we're so adverse to what it asks of us to do, which is to set ourselves apart from our sinful, immoral culture that we live in right now. So the word law basically means that this man is to give himself to the instruction of the word of God. God gives us the Bible as a guide for life and it is to delight us. It is to make us happy. 
It gives us parameters and boundaries. Yes, it does. Psychologists have proven that the child, the disciplined child who knows his parameters and boundaries is a happier child than the child that just gets to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. We are to desire it, to take pleasure in it, to have a great passion for it. In an age when everything is being questioned, we must understand today, Grace Church, that the Word of God is literally the words of God. We are convinced of the Bible's claim as we read it. It is only through an inward work of the Holy Ghost that we will be convinced that it is indeed the Word of God. The psalmist said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The words of God are perfect. Who would not want to walk that path? It converts the soul. If the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. I'll make this statement. Most people who do not believe the Bible are those who do not read it. The psalmist went on to say in Psalm 19, verse 8, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. The words of God are more to be desired than money. Yes, they are. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Job said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The Bible said about the word of God, the wise man said in Proverbs 6, When thou goest, it shall lead thee, the word of God shall. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when you awake, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Who would not want that? When the law of the Lord becomes a man's delight, he will meditate on it. So when you're when you embrace the word of God, I'm skipping down a little bit. When you're embracing the word of God, it does something to you. You refuse to believe secular beliefs. That's the counsel of the ungodly. You refuse sensual behavior that's standing in the way of sinners. You refuse shameful belongings. You never sit in a place that will dishonor God and his calling. It's people who choose the path of righteousness. The third thing that happens is you become saturated with the word of God. This is where get people kind of get weird with, with, with this conversation. Saturated with the word of God, what does that even mean? It means that the Bible has set your parameter. It's set your path. It, it, it influences your goals. It influences your desires. It influences everything you do everywhere you go. You subject yourself to the teaching of the word of God before you do anything. That's what it does. But by doing that, the Bible calls you a blessed person. And whatever you do will prosper when you follow after the things of God. There's people sitting here today saying, Pastor, I'm prospering right now. But that doesn't mean you always will. 
David was frustrated in the Psalms one time and said, how, how, how did the wicked prosper? He said, I went to the house of the Lord and saw the end of the wicked. You won't always prosper. It won't always be this way, not the way it is now. The psalmist describes a man as one who is like a tree that has managed to flourish on the riverbank. His life does not depend on the rainfall and the ups and downs and the weather patterns as such. But by his location, where he has planted himself, he has deep roots that have grown so that he draws his sustenance from the word of God. God takes care of me. And that man brings forth fruit and his leaves do not wither and he prospers under the blessings of God. That is the goal of every saint of God. If there ever needed to be a time in history where the church needed this, it is now. People who are marked by stability in their walk, productivity in their prayer, consistency in their involvement, and prosperity in their soul are always going to be helpful in the kingdom of God. If we've ever needed people like that, we need them now. I preached to you, or yeah, I preached to you this past Wednesday night. I was going to do it again today, and God led otherwise. If you were not here Wednesday night, please go back and watch it uh, on our media stuff. I talked about how we were commanded, the psalmist commanded that saints are to love God. It's a shame that we have to be commanded to do that. Just the manifestation of God in itself and of itself should be enough to keep us in love with him, that we should not have to be commanded to love God. But when you choose the path of the ungodly, that's what happens. You fall out of love with God. When you don't choose the path of the godly, of all of those blessings we just talked about, all those blessings we just mentioned, the Bible said in Psalm 1 verse 4 that the ungodly are not so. You don't reap those things when you're not committed in your relationship with God. You're like the chaff which the wind driveth away, and the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The man who is on the path of the ungodly is pictured like a chaff, which is the dry husk that are around the grain. It is a dry, scaly material that wraps around the fruit, and it is literally good for nothing but to be tossed to the wind. The picture here is what takes place at the sifting or sorting during the harvest. The threshed corn is taken and tossed up for the husk and the fragments of straw to be blown away, leaving behind only the grain. It is a picture. The Bible paints a picture of a man who lives an empty, worthless, and godless life. If only they could see this. If only they could follow their scout, their pastor, the great shepherd, the word of God. Instead, they mock godliness and righteousness because of their internal corruption. They say godlessness, uh, godliness is foolishness. And they say that the righteous never have any fun. And they say that the godly are wasting their lives. The world shouts out, if you want to amount to something and enjoy yourself while you're doing it, then get on the fast track of sin. Reach out to whatever whim you desire and do it. And do it with all your might. Take in all you can and, and be happy. But Romans 1 gives us the picture of a man who is on this downward spiral. The Bible said it's those that change the word of God into a lie. And worshiped and served the creator or the creature more than the creator. 
there's a sad outcome that will ultimately catch up with them. And that is that they are condemned in judgment by God. The ungodly will not stand in judgment with hope, nor will he gain a place among the righteous. Brother Dave just commented a few moments ago about how wonderful it is to have our junior high, high school students up here. They worship, they're excited, they run, they dance, they jump. They're so excited about Jesus. But he said, look, pastor, over here on this side, there's another generation coming. And it looks like right now so far that that generation coming can't wait till they're over here and these chairs, and now they're the junior high and high school kids, and then pretty soon they'll keep moving over. I don't know why it starts over there and goes over here, but it does. They end over here with the college people, and you'll notice it thins out a little bit when it gets to college, and it breaks my heart. But nonetheless, I want to preach to these kids. I want to preach to their parents. Brother Dave said how awesome it's going to be. And this ain't there. There's only four right here, but they're scattered all over the building. There's another group coming. Oh, yes, they are. All the way down to infantism. They keep coming at Grace Church. We dedicated Avery Sunday before last. They keep coming. I love it. What will be the success of this group is my comment to Dave. It's what their parents do. We've tried to build youth groups that didn't have godly parents. And we had success with them for a measure of time, but pretty soon they chose their own way, very similar to what their parents did. We've had some parents come back and get back in church and then say, Pastor, can you help me reach my kids? They're in college now and I can't do a thing with them. And they're, they're married and they won't go to church anywhere. Somebody told me that just a couple of months ago, that Pastor... Just, I just want my kids back in church. I want my kids back in church. Church is full of that, full of that. I want to ask you people right now. Everybody listen to the scout. I'm Kit Carson, and I'm, I've made a path for you. I've made a trail for you. I have walked where you're walking. Sorry, camera. I've walked where you're walking right now. I know how it feels to have young little bitty kids in my house. And I know how it feels to go to bed at night and wonder if they're going to grow up and serve God or not. I've had that deep, sinking feeling as a parent. Am I doing a good enough job? Do I pray enough? Sister Murphy, I've talked, and I've talked about this over and over and over. Do I live close to, close to God enough? Am I, am I doing the right thing? And then when God called us to ministry and we went to Youngstown and started a church, I thought about my kids again. Can I build a church that my kids can be saved in? Now I'm the pastor and this is where the buck stops. I've made this trail for you people. I did it. And my solution and my answer was to pray for my family every chance I get. I go to bed at night and I lay in bed before I go to sleep and I ask God, I beg God every night, please keep your hands on my kids and on my grandkids. God protect them, God keep them, but more than anything else, keep them in the church. I want everybody to know I've been down this path and I've, I've witnessed my kids backsliding and it's gut-wrenching when it happens. It's horrible when it happens. And now they're old enough, and I can't discipline them the way I used to and say, you listen to me, you're coming to church with me this Sunday because they can tell me, Dad, I don't have to do anything. I can do as I please, and they could, and they did. 
And I remember sometimes him sitting in the very back of the church and, and staring at me with that face that says, I'm not going to do this, Dad. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go see what the world's about. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you go home. I'll never forget. And I've told the story over and over. When Casey got her driver's license, I'll never forget it. She took off in her car. I couldn't take it. I literally couldn't take it. We laugh and joke about our kids getting their driver's license and, and all of that. And, and I laugh and joke about it with Casey. She promised to go to Walmart anytime we needed something from Walmart if we'd let her get her driver's license. I think she went twice and then started complaining about it. And I didn't want to go to Walmart anymore. <laughs> then we gave her a credit card. And that was a big mistake. And she came home with $400 worth of stuff when all we needed was a can of hairspray. <laughs> when she left that night, I believe it was a Friday night, I went in her closet. And I sobbed and cried for well over an hour. Not just for her for that night. But God, she's out of my hands now. She's in your hands. I want to be somebody's Kit Carson one day. Your kids are little. You can still spank them and put them in timeout. I wish so bad timeout had been invented when I was a kid. Been very happy to go sit in timeout for an hour versus what I got. But I look at all these sweet little kids in our church. Let's say about 11, 10 years old and younger. And I look into the face of some of their moms and dads and I wonder if those kids are going to make it. I stood over here a couple Sundays ago and had tears streaming down my face when I looked over here at our kids, our, our younger ones. Because I don't know if your parents are going to make it or not. I don't know how your mom and dad's going to fare in the next five years when you will be this age. I don't know where they're going to be. So... Here we are. If you'll stand with me, musicians, come. I started this whole presentation off with this today, that I'm encouraged because I see some of our moms and dads that I've sobbed and cried for. There's families here today that I went to the A Center a couple of weeks ago and spent almost an hour praying and crying for you. And I see you inching just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Just a few months ago, I couldn't see your hands up at church, but I looked out over the crowd today, and there were several with their hands all the way up, and I was encouraged by that. I want everybody here to understand that you can call me scout, you can call me pastor, but I've been on the path you've been on. God don't make you take a pay cut when you want to serve him. God don't make your marriage worse when you want to serve him. God don't make your kids worse when you want to serve him. He doesn't. It's the path, the trail of the godly. And I wonder if there are some people here today that make up their mind that I'm going to get on that path right now and I'm going to walk it and I'm going to see to it that my kids walk it. So our moms and dads here today if you still have kids at home, especially if they're under the age of the 11, I'm a nervous wreck right now. I, just, I wonder if your spouse is here, if you can take your spouse by the hand and grab your little kids and say, we've got two choices. 
ahead of us. We're going to have to make one. And today we're going to come and stand just like Joshua did and told all of Israel, you can go back to Egypt if you want and you can serve their gods if you want. You can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. There's not a better opportunity for every person in this building right now make this choice. There's not a better time to make that choice than right now. Quit looking at the Bible as a rule book and look at it as a book of instruction, a book of blessing, a book of prosperity. I feel the Holy Ghost. wonder under the auspices and this amazing umbrella of blessing and promise in the presence of God as to how many of our moms and dads that are here today if your grandparents and you have grandkids here that age you would, 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 would you mind just bringing them and let's all just come today as families and say you know what I'm going to do this today if you want to kids you can go get your mom and daddy and say come up here with me we're going to pray for a little while and you just walk up here and just say hey we're going to serve the Lord we're going to pick the right path it's never too late to start it's never
Good night.